Real Heal podcast, where we chat all the real people, places, and things that heal. So welcome. If you're just tuning in, we are a spirituality and wellness podcast, and we are just excited for you to hear about all of the different healers that we have either worked with or been introduced to. So today we chatted with M from Garden of the Moon. And Dan, can you tell us a little bit about her? I'm just going to read it straight from her bio because I could never say it better myself. She is an herbal nerd and word witch, weaving the wisdom of cyclical archetypes and plant medicine into herbal teas, rituals, and self-care. She is the co-author of the Sacred Cycles Oracle Deck. She's based in New Hampshire, and she has so much wisdom on all things period, cycle tracking. She's an amazing herbalist. I just love this conversation so much because... It's so silly how disconnected we as women or, you know, people with a menstrual cycle can be with our bodies, like yeah. very guilty of it myself. And I love that the last five years have really like tuned me into my body and what's happening with my body and how important it is and how cool it would be if we would all have this experience from day one, from before our first cycle, right? you know? And I think both you and I come from this place of how we understood our period to be or our cycle was just not something to pay attention to. It was a nuisance. Mm -hmm. It was Mm -hmm. shameful. And it was just like, how can we get rid of it? And, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about, you know, as we got older and, you know, pregnancy, it was like, what can we take so that we don't get pregnant, you know? Right. And that's, I think what was so beautiful about the conversation is because she really helped us understand why it is so important for us to honor our cycle, to pay attention, to listen in, to honor our body. I was just like, you know, I think I've intuitively known this for a while in different ways, but she was so poignant and mm-hmm. just really helped drive it home. So. Yeah. In the episode, you'll learn about cycle tracking. You'll learn about the different seasons of your cycle, um, you know, and we'll talk about her connection to the plant world. It's a really good episode. We are still beaming from it, I think. Yes, (laughs) I love her. I really, I wish she was local. I would love to go hang out with her. But I love, like, my biggest takeaway from the episode was, you know, you think of, like, your cycle as your period that, like, you know three to five days or however long it is. Um, But really thinking of your cycle as a whole experience, like first day of your period to the last day of your luteal phase. Um, And, you know, typically it's about four weeks generally uh, and just learning how to honor each of those weeks um, because your body always needs something different at every point of your cycle and your cycle is not just your period is the whole shebang. So um, hope you guys love the episode. As always, please like and subscribe. Leave us any information, feedback, criticisms. We're like here for it all. So don't be shy. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for all of the support. We really appreciate it. And we hope you enjoy the episode. Yeah. Take care, guys. Side note, I'm sweating and it's not... (laughs)
I know I don't need to say this, but I'm in a teeny little room and I live in the Dominican Republic. And so it's just, anyways, I don't want to creep you out here. No, it just is. And I, bodily right? functions, let it be. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Amazing. Well, we'd love to start by just hearing a little bit about your journey and what you really what brought you into the holistic space curious about your cycle and sharing it with others like what was the catalyst that really brought you into this space because i think so many women have issues with their cycle and pain and all those things but what what really made you so passionate about this subject yeah thank you for asking um i think you know for so many of us when we find something that resonates deeply with us it's because we've been through our own um heroine's journey around it um and my experience with my cycle was certainly um that story i really really struggled with my periods just right out the gate um and it was also something that was just never talked about in my family we didn't have conversations yeah. around um like even my first period, that was very hush hush. Um, it was expected that I learned everything in school and I was good to go. Um, that was not the case. <laughs> and um, yeah. with experiencing pretty difficult cycles in terms of just heavy bleeding and uh, pain and needing to um, skip school to basically be bedridden. Um, mm. I was finally put yeah. on hormonal birth control and I see head nodding here. So yeah, we all get it. Yes. Yes. Um, so I was on hormonal birth control and um, towards the end of high school and into college. Um, and that you know, was to quote unquote, fix things. Um, looking back now, yeah. I can absolutely see how it made so many other things so much worse. Um, I really dealt with a lot of um, weight gain, a definite dive in my mental health, all of these things that I track back and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is where the switch kind of flipped. Um, mm -hmm. And so you know, I, I go through this process and a lot of my menstrual cycle experience was very deeply interwoven with my relationship to my body, which was mm. tumultuous, um, <laughs> to put it mildly. I just, you know, so many of us, I think, relate in the way of a uh, difficult relationship to food, um, to uh, exercise, mm -hmm. which like, I don't even use that word anymore because it's like a dirty word to me I now work with like movement and but for a long time exercise itself was another form of punishment um and so it was this, this yeah. experience of being really uncomfortable through my my monthly cycle and just generally uncomfortable in my body um and so uh, as I moved through this experience I um, finally went off of birth control I guess it would have been uh, in my late 20s and really started trying to understand like, okay, what is my body needing from me? I was really working on rewriting my relationship to food. Um, particularly, that was where a lot of my uh, hangups and all of my emotion went. And so through that process mm -hmm. of reclaiming um just the narrative around what it means to be in a body and to try and be in partnership versus against it. 
I worked through yeah. a, the relationship with food, but also with uh, my cycle. And I um, had kind of this, you know, strange spiritual awakening of sorts. It sounds so corny, but it it, it triggered a lot. It triggered yeah. a, a number of things to move forward from there. And I started getting really into this curiosity around what if, what if, our cycles weren't this curse and weren't this like horrible yeah. thing. And if I am mm. in the process of reclaiming my relationship to my body and food, what would it look like if I also reclaimed my relationship to my cycle and uh, started cycle yeah. tracking, had my mind blown by the realization that there are these patterns in my life that I had never seen as patterns. Um, and there they were. Mm -hmm. And even though in the moment it felt like something was, uh, you know, the end of the world, my story I always come back to is realizing day 28 for me was this, quite frankly, just the, it felt like the world was ending and it happened every month. Yeah. So <laughs> and when I realized, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah that means that it's eventually going yeah. to move on and I'm going to be able to, to move through this. Okay. Accepting that was step one and then realizing, well, why is this actually happening every month? So all of these little pieces started mm -hmm. to, to play together. And I really began to realize how incredibly powerful this mindset shift of our cycles, not being this curse or, you know, something to be resentful, of and instead what lesson is this teaching us what can i understand better about myself through this process and how is it possible that there are actually like mm. really positive things about my cycle but also about the fact that our cycles have these four phases and we see this in nature and um you know, my path through herbalism as well was a huge part of reconnecting too, because there's this sense of when we connect with our body and we connect with Mother Earth and Gaia, we can see this this relationship and reflection. And when we take better care of our bodies, I really believe that we as humanity can begin to take better care of the Earth. Because we're like, oh, we're actually not separate. We're one in the same. And so that's right. where my heart right. lies, is helping others to create that deeper connection with the body so that we can all show up so much more embodied out in the world. Because I, I don't want to say that Mama Earth needs us because like she's going to be fine without us, but we kind of need her. Yeah. And in order to like continue on yep. this path yeah. here, we need to be in right relationship with her. And I believe that begins with starting with right relationship with ourselves. So that's a little bit of my backstory, I guess, <laughs> to where we are now. Yeah. No, so many things. Well, I love how you touched on just how our cycle is so natural and it mirrors so many of the cycles that happen in nature. And I just find it so fascinating that we as humans think we can completely disassociate from that idea. Like we are innately part of this whole picture of nature, but yet we are to be the same people every day. We are to have no impact, you know, with what's happening around us. And it's like, no. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I think is so interesting. I know we'll get into this more, but when I hear women, and this is no shade, like everyone is on their own journey and how they choose to deal with their cycle and whatever is, is your thing. 
But I, when I hear people just say, you know, I'm taking this birth control, I'm on this thing, so I don't even have to deal with my period. I just think- It's shocking. Yes. It's shocking. It is so shocking. And I yeah. just think it's such, <laughs> it's such a bigger conversation here of how we want to completely disassociate from something that is so important and integral yeah. to our well-being and our, mm-hmm. our health and our exactly. mental. And so- I love how through cycle tracking, you were able to see that with day 28. And I think that, you know, both Dan and I talked about this before coming to the episode, but we're like, and Danica, you're already doing this um, to a degree, but how we need to do this. Like we need to cycle track. I thought, gosh, because then, uh, you know, I can honor like today, now that I know I'm on my period today, right? It just came. I was like, okay, I'm really going to allow myself to rest. I'm I'm tired. I'm I've coffee right now. It's 1140 where I am like that. I don't normally do that, but, but right. Like I just, I can't go, go, go today. So yeah. Yeah. But yeah. how radical is that? Think, okay. I'm going to claim this. <laughs> right. And not yeah. fight it. I was right. like, I, you know, we're recording two episodes today. I've got a ton of other work to do, but it's like, no, because no. I'm not going to be able to give my best. So I'll stick to what I'm committed to. And outside of that, no. And that's okay. Yeah. yeah. So for people who aren't familiar, can you walk us through the four seasons and how that correlates with the four weeks of the cycle? All yeah. of that. Good yes. Gladly. And the moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yes, yes, absolutely. Because yes. um, given that, yeah, my business is Garden of the Moon, the moon is the connection that really threaded everything together for me. Um, part of my story also around like coming back to uh, my relationship with my body was like lunar rituals and realizing how when we connect with the seasons the moon cycles that when we create ritual that way again it's that deeper embodiment and coming back to our bodies so uh, when we look at our hormonal cycle um if anyone's familiar with the wheel of the year we think about the four main seasons spring summer fall and winter and uh, the same thing happens in our cycles. And each of the seasons and phases within our cycle can connect with um, can connect with the, the phases of the moon as well. Um, so I, I think medically, we often start with like, okay, day one of our cycle is day one of our of our bleed time. And I think there's a, a help that that is helpful in some ways um, to be able to track. But to me, when my period comes, that doesn't feel like the beginning of anything. That feels like the, the mm-hmm. you know, a quiet time. I just want to be like laying down, doing nothing. So to me, the conversation really begins with the springtime of our cycle. And the springtime of our cycle is the follicular phase. So right after the bleed time ends, the follicle within the ovary is growing. It's becoming um, ripe, if you will, the to be able to release an ovary. And so the follicular phase, that springtime phase associated with the waxing moon um, phase uh, with mama moon in the sky. And then we move into the ovulatory phase. And obviously ovulation is a one-time, one-day event. We release the egg and that is like the big show. But if we think energetically, you can, and, and when you start cycle tracking and really feel into what it means to be embodied in these phases, you begin to see like, oh, there's actually like a good few days around that time when that summertime full moon energy is really in the body. And so 
ovulation is like big, high energy where, um, you know, I live in New Hampshire and it's just about summertime. We're coming up on the summer solstice soon. Everything's in bloom. All of the events are going on. We all want to be doing all of the things. Same idea with ovulation. Um, and our bodies are so very smart. Um, we have all this energy and are feeling generally uh, our sort of sassy, sexiest best and wanting to be connecting um, when we're most fertile. Um, and I will insert here as well, like there's, it's so, so important. And one thing I did not know for many years is you cannot get pregnant throughout your entire cycle. There are literally six days within the cycle around that time of ovulation when pregnancy can happen. So I insert that in there because I feel like that's a fact that folks really, really need to um, immerse themselves yeah. in in order to like understand our own bodily sovereignty. Um, so that was a little sidetrack <laughs> coming back around. Um, after we, we move out of the full moon ovulatory summertime phase of our cycle, the energy starts to dip a bit. This is when we move into um, infamous PMS time. Um, this is the, the fall time of the cycle, the waning moon um, phase of the cycle. And this time gets such a bad rap, I believe, because it is going against what our cultural expectations are. We, the first half of the cycle, mm -hmm. it's really easy to be like out and doing things and being productive, which is what our patriarchal capitalist society very much wants from us at all time. And as our energy yeah. wanes and we start to say, okay, no, you know what? I need to like pull back a little bit, it can be really crunchy. And that's the word that I use for the waning moon phase, the, the luteal phase, our fall time, because it does feel like the world starts to kind of poke at us. And I uh -huh. believe, and through conversation, it has become so apparent that this is the time when we are given that mirror of, okay, this thing is really bothering you and you have a much shorter fuse for it. How much are you going to put up with it? And if it keeps coming around every yeah. cycle, it's this like, you know, red alert, like give, give yourself some, some respect to actually acknowledge and honor this this awareness and this wisdom that your body is sharing with you. So I, I think it's yet again, another really radical act to uh, claim the power of this, this phase. Um, it's been demonized because oftentimes it is um, a phase where we feel a little bit more uh, quick with our words, perhaps a little more sharp with our words. Mm -hmm. We're, um, I, I I don't know if I can swear, but I'd say it's like the BS detector. <laughs> this is the phase that is like, yep. oh yeah, no, yeah, go ahead. That is not cool. Um, and so with that like bullshit detector possibility, we are um, we're we're just like not as as soft and fluffy. And so a lot of uh, yeah. folks would have issue with that, right? So um, I think there's real power in reclaiming that phase. Um, as well as when we move into our bleed time, this is the winter time of the cycle, the dark moon phase. This is the, the space for rest, the space for rejuvenation. When we look at Mother Earth, when we look at Gaia, 
no matter where you are on earth, there are seasonal shifts. They may be, you know, more subtle or show up in different ways. Um, you know, here in New England, it's so blatantly obvious <laughs> when we are in different seasons. Yeah. And so when the snow is here, um, the, the green world is, is very quiet. It is underground. It is composting. It is um, envisioning a, a new cycle ahead. And uh, there is so much power to be had when we allow ourselves that time. Um, I, I like to speak about this phase as being a a place where we the veil is so thin and we are able to really deeply connect with the messages and the guidance that may otherwise get crowded out by the noise around us at other times in our phase but i think that opportunity really comes when we do allow that quiet time. Um, this is when I personally love doing things like oracle cards and journaling and just like really tapping into, uh, okay, what's coming through and uh, what is my vision for, for the cycle ahead? That's what I really encourage from folks as well. Um, when whatever the whatever capability or like, small space you can uh, you know carve for yourself around this it may literally be 15 minutes with a cup of tea in the corner or like a closet I have some moms who you know mm -hmm. shut themselves in a closet and that is that is that is the moment and that is beautiful whatever you can do for yourself to gift yourself that quiet yeah. space it serves everyone not just your own self but but the collective as well, because again, we are rewriting, we are radically reclaiming something that otherwise, um, it, the expectation is always there to keep go, go, going. And um, I mm -hmm. really believe that when we can allow ourselves that time and space in the dark moon, wintertime menstrual bleeding phase of our cycle, it sets us up for so much more as we go around the next the next spiral, right? And that's what it is. Each time we are we are spiraling, we're going to come back each time, and and we it may feel like we're sort of in the same place, but each time is this like you know new perspective that we're able to bring to it because we've acknowledged and worked with and given some reverence to, to each of our cycles. At least that's what I, that's what I hope for folks. <laughs> no, that's wow. so beautiful. And I just like, it's so, it's so empowering. Like we have this, you know, this gift that is connected to our cycle and to work with it. And I think, um, you know, I, I can't help but bring up the astrology too, just because from an astrological perspective, the moon is, you know, is feminine and the moon is our body. And so I, anyways, I just, I loved everything you explained. Cause I, you know, I'm thinking of course about the astrology and how all that happens even seasonally, you know, I'm like, Oh, Aries, yeah. Cancer, Libra, Capricorn, right. Mirror all those like important, you know, seasonal changes. Those are the, you know, but um, gosh, I'm like, everybody needs to do this. <laughs> I, I need to do this. I don't I do think this so. enough myself, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and imagine if you learned this in in high school. Like, imagine if you learned this when you're, even before you get your period. Yeah. I didn't know anything about this until I was trying to have a baby. Because, like, you have to figure your body out. Figure out when you're ovulating. Like you said, I thought you could get pregnant 
on day one of your period? No, not really. You cannot. And I was just thinking the other day, I was going to go have some movement, workout, exercise. And um, I just remember thinking like in our 20s, we used to go to the gym all the time, like probably every day. Yeah. And just thinking like, I remember thinking, you know, on the treadmill or whatever, oh, I'm so tired. I can't do this today. I wonder why. You know, like with no correlation to my body, to my cycle, it's like we were living in New York City. We just go, go, go. Of course I'm tired, you know, but it's just that thing. Even what you said earlier, Ash, like the option for birth control to not have a cycle. I always would like gasp, like, don't you want to release and shed and begin again? That one really throws me for a loop. Yeah. I have or such even a hard just time with that. The doctor says it's fine. Uh, yeah. Yes. Same. And again, like whoever's listening to this, like, you know, to, yeah, to no shame. Own, like no shame. But I want it to be from a place of empowerment and, and, and knowledge. Because one thing that really bothers me mm-hmm. is I, when I speak to, to folks who get put on birth control, there is very little conversation about what is actually happening. There's no conversation about this is yeah. flatlining your hormones. This means that you are not having a traditional hormonal cycle. The bleed that you experience is not a true um, ovulatory induced bleed. There are so many pieces that I really think are, are left out of a conversation that gives someone the sovereignty and power to make a choice that is is really in alignment because we need to have information in order to make an empowered choice. I I, I believe that at least. And it really Yeah. I, I think there is this piece of disempowerment that comes when um when this is just slapped on as as a solution. Um I I am doing a lot of markets these days with um with Garden of the Moon and so meeting a lot more people in person and getting to have amazing conversations. But when I hear folks women come by and say this in, in such passing casualness um and oftentimes with um with the reasoning being that uh, they don't trust the government and, and, you know, we have great reason to be concerned with the legality of things, but, and this is where I want to offer up a potentially alternative viewpoint around these things. And we, we have the potential to understand our bodies in a way that more or less leaves the government out of it. And when we are able Mm -hmm. to connect through cycle tracking and utilize things like fertility awareness method and, and these, these tools that do not, don't cost anything that are not um, written on a prescription pad by any other powers. When we actually work with these, these incredibly powerful tools, we get to make the decisions about our bodies and you know, obviously it's a completely different conversation when we come to um, unwanted sexual interactions. And, and that is a whole other ball game, of course. But when it comes to our ability to be aware of our fertility and either prevent or conceive, these tools are here for us, but they've been um, certainly... Uh, not not readily available or talked about greatly um, because I, I believe because there's no money to be made for them or from them. So I think it's so important for us to think about um, 
all, all of these moving pieces. And uh, when we come to the question of why am I being on, why am I on birth control? And, and am I making a choice from a place of a true sovereignty and self-education that that's what I hope for folks mm -hmm. is that they can make a choice from a place that feels like, all right, I have all the information. And yes, this is exactly what I want to do. And then, you know, good on you. I'm, I'm right there with you. So soapbox. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you for saying all that. Cause we were like, yeah, no shade, but, but no, you're right. It's like, you've got, we, that's what we want. We want people, we want women to be making a decision from an empowered space. So having mm -hmm. that knowledge and yeah, and it's not even, you know, it's yes, there's that element of like, you know, there's not money to be made, but it's, it's so simple, right? Like it, sometimes I think it, it makes me feel like, you know, you have no, I'm, I'm that, I don't want to use the word stupid, but just, I, um, what's a better word? Just previously uninformed, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, previously yeah. uninformed, right. right. <laughs> that I couldn't take the time to figure out my cycle and figure out when I could conceive or, you know, work to not, you know, have a baby. Like it, yeah. I, I could do that. Right. Like I can think about that much. Like I balance my checkbook or, you know, whatever, yeah. like do all the other things I have to do to allow myself to function in society. I too can do that with my cycle. It is, it's, it's not rocket science, you know? So yeah. I do, I, I, to your point, I think it is, we just need to be more informed. With that cycle tracking, if someone has never even heard of cycle tracking before, how do you begin to track your cycle? Like I personally, um, years ago started with the basal body temperature method. I found that a little bit tricky. Um, and so now I've been wearing an Ava bracelet for the last like three years and it's awesome. just phenomenal. I love it. Every morning I like do my thing and I get excited, like how much sleep did I get and what day am I on and whatever. But for someone who's never even heard of cycle tracking, what is it? How do you do it? Where do you begin? Yeah. Yeah. Great. I, so I began very, very simply, literally a notebook and a pen is where you can start. And the idea being that cycle tracking from a more um, just like body awareness and body literacy piece, truly every night or, or in the morning, reflecting on the day before, quick notes about how the day went. I'm looking at things like how are my energy levels? How was my mental, emotional state? Um, anything that felt like a, th this feels important to make note of kind of thing. Truly just a, you know, a few words, a few lines, whatever works. And, and I really, really recommend folks cycle track for at least three months to really start to see some of these mm. interesting patterns that arise. And uh, hopefully by then it's become this habit and something that you're enjoying and you kind of keep moving forward. So that is sort of where I believe like we can begin and, and cycle tracking is available to anyone and everyone. And then we can get, you know, um, like Donica was saying about getting into more of the nuance around things like what would be applied to fertility awareness method with our basal body temperature, other symptothermal um, or symptom, uh, symptomatic um, biomarkers, things like cervical fluid, um, cervix position, opening, those kind of things are also incredible 
like body messages from us to say, hey, this is where you're at in your cycle. Here is information for you. Um, the other thing that I really like to, to make note of um, as someone who has dealt with uh, a lot of gastrointestinal concerns over the years, and even, you know, I will be the first to admit that I still work through period concerns um, and have been able to, through cycle tracking, confirm that, yep, I'm estrogen dominant, progesterone's a little low, okay, what can I do to help my body in this process? So through cycle tracking from that process of note-taking and then moving into things like basal body temperature, which is something that you do um, in the morning, right when you wake up, uh, thermometer in, or you've got a fancy bracelet, whatever your whatever your jive is, um, and with that information, your your body is is giving you basically like a rundown. Um, there's a great book out there called uh, The Fifth Vital Sign. Um, Lisa Hendricks Jack speaking about how this is our our period, our cycle is a biomarker, is an incredibly important vital sign for us to understand our own health. And through cycle tracking, mm -hmm. as we get more nuanced, uh, we can begin to have a better understanding of what our body is trying to tell us. And, and then what I find so magical about this is we have a better sense of our body literacy and can then show up in situations with doctors or other, uh, you know, medical professionals, whatever it may be with information that we know. Okay. I ovulate on this day of my cycle. Generally, my luteal phase is this number of days. These kind of things are incredibly potent, just pieces of information that are generally not things that are brought up in conversation. And therefore, we're not able to like mm -hmm. dig as deep as we potentially could. So um, cycle tracking can be so, so simple. Like I said, just notes on a daily basis. Like I said, three months minimum is what I recommend to really begin to see those really neat uh, patterns that come through. And then um, when you get into things like fertility awareness method and um, whether that be trying to conceive or prevent pregnancy, those are more of the um, what are called symptothermal methods or, or um, uh, biomarkers that help to identify more of these nuances around ovulation and menstruation and just our, our general uh, physiology of sorts. Does that all make sense, do you think? Yes. <laughs> to me, yes, 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 yes. Very much so. Yeah. It's so funny now, like, it is so clockwork. I've been doing this for about four or so years. And it's like, oh, I get a chill. Like, I literally get chills on, like, day 17. It's like, I know my period's coming. Oh, um, I wake up sweaty like a few mornings before my cycle comes. Okay. Like I know my cycle's coming. Like there's just like teeny tiny, even like how you use the restroom, you know, like yeah. that changes because your progesterone drops and then like, you're not having the same restroom experience that you normally do. There's so many little things that when you really start to do this, it's really cool. Yeah. And I remember going the first time I, I was pregnant and I went to the doctor and they were like, well, when, when was your last period? I was like, what? I don't know. Yeah. Well, when did you ovulate? What? I don't know. Like no clue. Not yeah. a, not a, no idea. And it just is so funny 
how, and I'm so thankful like for this knowledge that I've gained through this experience, but I just like, I want it for everyone so much because it is just how, how did I not know? Like, I I, like looking back, I feel so silly. Again, we were never, this was never a conversation. It's hardly, I mean, sex ed definitely does not go into that. At least, you know, when I was in in middle and high school and I I do some work with uh, young teens and young women now, and still there's this deep frustration around how little information is being provided in these school environments. Um, So when I get to sit with um, these groups of young girls and, and, you know, have these tea ceremonies that open up the conversation they are just ravenous for it and it is so beautiful to see that click right of oh them realizing that oh this is big (laughs) and realizing that that just um it changes their experience of something that they've been told is gross or um makes other people uncomfortable things like that. So um, yeah, I'm right there with you. This should be talked about so much more than it is. And thankfully, you know, I do feel like we're in this sort of period revolution time, um, probably thanks to social media, where we've got so many folks out there having this conversation. And it's more, I think, accessible for sure. Um, but but you kind of have to go looking for it still. Um, so I, I do believe yeah. it's, it's shifting. It's shifting. <laughs> Yes, I know. It's been so great to see. I have some younger cousins where I've had conversations like this with them and they're really open and really Mm -hmm. like, you know, I mean like, you know, 14, 15, 16. And I always say, and me and Danica talk about this all the time, but I'm like, God, these young people, they're just so amazing (laughs) and open. And, you know, I was 11 when I had my period. And I remember I was, or when it first came and I was out on a family vacation with a bunch of kids and all my mom had was a pad and we didn't talk about it, but I couldn't go swimming with the pad. And I did not know how to talk about it. And everyone kept being like, what's wrong with you? Why are you being so weird? And, oh, it was miserable. But I just feel like that set up so much confusion and shame around my cycle. And the only thing that I remember, and I think when I went, birth control is not for me, was I did the patch when I was seven, 16 or 17, and I could feel it come in, and when I got off of it, I could feel the birth control leaving my body, and I felt like a different person, and I was just like, I'm done, and I can't say that I've made the most the smartest decisions for myself after, you know, writing birth control off. But, but, you know, I, I just, I knew it wasn't right for me. So, and I felt, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to say grateful. I don't know if that's the right word either, but because I do know some women really struggle with in horribly painful periods. And I know that birth control can be helpful in those situations. And so, you know, I get it, but I, I didn't have that. So I, it just, I knew it wasn't, it wasn't good for me. So, yeah. Something that I've struggled with, like when I first got into all of this was everywhere I read, it was like, your cycle is 28 days and it's four weeks and everything. So I'm like, okay, so I ovulate on day 14. So that's like, I need to have sex five, six days before that. 
but my cycle is not 28 days. Like my cycle is between like 25 and 26 days. And I ovulate like on day between 11 and 13. So I always kind of remember feeling like, wait a minute, that doesn't apply to me. Like, so is there something wrong? Is, but I think it's like, what is it like 25 to 38 days is like a normal cycle. I think there's like a lot of not conflicting, but there's a great varying range for sure um, in what is considered normal. And I think there's there's so much nuance to that too. I think it really depends on, okay, how long is your luteal phase? Because that really indicates, you know, progesterone levels. And um, if you're you're regularly regularly cycling with a, a shorter number of days, but have a strong luteal phase, like there's no reason to be concerned probably there. So it, it's, I think it's just so much more nuanced than we, than we really give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to your point about this idea of this like 28 day miracle period and ovulating every time on day 14, this is where I, I think it's really important to bring up the note of a lot of period tracking apps go by that, uh, algorithm. Mm -hmm. And so for folks Mm -hmm. who use an app that is basing ovulation on literally just the cycle length, that's not actual data that is pertinent to your body. Maybe you do ovulate when the app says so, but there's a very strong likelihood that you are not. And this is where things like cycle tracking with more, um, again, nuance and more detailed information can be so helpful to really develop that body literacy and, and, and self-knowledge, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think that's super important. Cause I do, I, that's, I think that's maybe how I began in the very beginning was like, oh, I'm supposed to have this like 28 day thing. I'm supposed to ovulate on day 14. This is just what it is. But it, especially if you're trying to prevent pregnancy, like that's not, Right. Like you said, that's not accurate information and yikes. Yeah. <laughs> yikes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yikes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to to take it back just a little bit, I wanted to ask you about you had mentioned a spiritual awakening and part of what really mm. sort of shifted you onto this track. Um I wanted to know what that was like for you, if you had family or a community and friends that really was receptive to that, um, or if you had the opposite experience, and then also what your spiritual journey has been like, and perhaps some things that you do to connect more spiritually for yourself. Mm, such a beautiful question. That was a loaded Thank question. you. No, that was <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that initial spiritual awakening, and I've been contemplating about this a lot more lately as that was the, the sort of big bang moment. It felt like for me, I felt very much asleep up until then when I, when I reflect on it, particularly around my connection to my body. Um, I, I don't really have memories of, uh, like my first period. I don't have memories of, um, very specifically going on birth control and feeling it in my body. Those kind of things were, it's all very hazy. And so through that, that process, um, and it, it would have been my, my mid twenties or so, um, I feel like something hit me and the whole, my whole viewpoint on the world shifted, particularly around this concept of uh, 
connecting with people who who feel so familiar and that was what that's what shook me awake mm. i had this experience of meeting someone where i was like we have known each other before and i had never connected in that way and it it terrified me as well as absolutely put me in awe of what it means to be human and so yeah. through that process i'm i i had to go out and like seek people and resources to help me process what was going on because I was so disoriented. <laughs> um, my, yeah. my family, I come from a, a, a semi-religious background, but like I say religious in the fact that we went to church on Easter and Christmas, like, you know, high holy days, sort of very, uh, yeah. it was more about community than anything. It was not so much about the the religious piece of things. Um, and so, uh, and it, I wasn't in a space to really be connecting with my parents about it because I didn't have the words for it. So, you know, and they certainly weren't, weren't there. So I was seeking out um, resources that could help me process what I was going through. And I finally found, thankfully, um, a, a woman who was a Reiki practitioner. And I, I remember so clearly all of the, I call them now these winks from the universe, the, the moments that were these breadcrumbs, right? And I remember meeting her for the very first time and just these little things that led up to it and being in a, a meditation with her and feeling my third eye like pulsing and experiencing that for the first time and her her being able to explain that to me was so comforting and so mm -hmm. um, affirming as well. And so I worked with her um, for a number of months in when I was in the city that I was living in at the time. And through that process really helped me move through the experience that kind of, you know, set things off. Um, and from then on, it's sort of been this experience of uh, a lot of things fell away, particularly in terms of like my social circles. Um, I was super tight with my girlfriends from college and um, I felt those relationships shifting. And uh, as those shifted, others came in that were able to more support me in this new approach to my life. Um, and a lot of that mm -hmm. was around uh, rewriting my relationship to things like alcohol. Again, the food I brought up um, earlier, that was a huge part of this process as well. Um, when I think about like the overarching theme of that, that wake up call, it was, I had been out here somewhere and finally came back in here. And and mm -hmm. that was very scary <laughs> to, to be here and mm -hmm. in this physical body that I had tried to avoid for so long. And so finding resources like Reiki, um, I got, I started practicing yoga really consistently. And yoga was the first time I found a movement practice that did not make me feel like I was failing all the time. And um yoga so yoga certainly saved me in so many ways um and and led me on a number of different paths um and through yoga i found myself at a yoga teacher training and like at a, this incredible off the grid permaculture farm in costa rica and uh, that was this whole reconnection to the plant world and then the plant world became 
part of my spirituality and like the cosmology that I really orient myself to the world with now. Um, and then from there, I found myself at a flower essence farm that I worked at for a year and a half. And so flower essences, I kind of did the whole herbalism thing like backwards. I found flower essences first and then did a training in herbalism. Oftentimes it's the other way around, but like I did the witchy woo, like, you know, energetic side of things. And then was like, okay, but what are these plants like actually doing in the body besides like what they're talking to and telling me about? <laughs> so that sort of right. like the flow of how it's been. But um, now, now the green world is, is, is my, my church. Um, <laughs> and the plants have become this representation and mirror for me around what is my relationship to my body as a mirror of how how Mama Gaia works, moves, and and nourishes and teaches us. And so now I I, I find great great spiritual nourishment through uh, plant practices and through just being in nature. Um, and yeah, it was it was all all these breadcrumbs, all of these little steps along the way that have have led me here and led me to Garden of the Moon, which was this like uh, truly divine kind of download during my um, herbal apprenticeship, and and so it's it has been deeply guided, and I'm so ridiculously grateful for for the whole process of it. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful you know, sort of, sort of evolution of where you were and, and where you are today. Um, with this plant passion that you have now, is there something that you can share with our listeners when they're going through a really painful part of their period or their cycle? Is there an herb or multiple herbs that they could use to support them through that? I don't know if that's so simple. I'm making it sound simple, but is there, yeah. So um, there are, I think, two pieces to this. Um, I really encourage us to reorient our mindset around working with herbs as being different from an allopathic, like Western, take this for that kind of mentality. That being said, of course, there are absolutely herbs that want to show up and help us for physical experiences that we're having. Um, and this is how the Garden of the Moon Cycle Support Kit came about. Um, and again, this is kind of where I, I think it's important to track back on our cycle is so much more than just our period. And if we can orient our mindset to uh, how can I take care of my entire cycle? How can I take care of myself throughout my entire mm -hmm. cycle? how does that shift my experience of bleed time? And so with mm. the cycle support kit, this was something that was incredibly helpful for me in my own process was as I drink this, the waxing moon tea during my follicular phase, I'm helping my body to replenish after the experience of bleeding. That's a lot of releasing that's happening during that time. And so with this tea and this awareness of building that springtime energy, I'm helping to nourish, to remineralize, to, to strengthen once again. And then again, the full moon tea supporting ovulatory time. Um, this is a big time of like, we keep talking about that high energy, that summertime vibe, right? 
with the full moon tea, we are supporting that semi-inflammatory period, um, and but also helping the the body that wants to kind of be everywhere all at once to stay centered, mm-hmm. to stay present, to be able to be Beautiful. discerning about where where we channel our energy. Uh, the waning moon tea again that that energy it's that fall time right so we're looking to start to begin to track back and and draw our energy back in it's a very warming nourishing it's like a chai flavors right so it's very ch- like fall um, mm. fall esque mm. and so the herbs in there we're really looking at when we warm the womb space the generative space we're helping to increase blood flow and when we look at quote unquote, problematic periods, oftentimes it's an issue of blood flow, whether that be stagnation or um, uterine alignment, things like that. If we, if we support ourselves, support the body during that waning moon phase and, you know, prior phases to it, then the bleed time, the dark moon phase is able to uh, um, have, an, have an easier time managing because it's not, not all the pressure is on it, right? It's all the pressure is often mm-hmm. on the time to just function on its own, do its own thing. Like it's supposed to be easy, but our body, this is a holistic approach that we want to be looking at and, and really thinking about how do I support each, each phase? So back to the cycle support kit, the, the dark moon tea, of course, there is an herb. There's an herb for that. Um, there is an herb for <laughs> cramps and pain. Cramp bark is an actual, uh, actual tea and or excuse me, uh, a tree and an herb. And so that's working on the smooth tissue of of the uterine lining and helping to. If we think about like um, a cramp in any other muscle of our body, it's that tension of the musculature. And so cramp bark is helping to smooth that out, helping to release the tension there. Um, Dark moon tea also has um, other nutritive and nourishing herbs for the womb space, like ladies mantle and um, clove is in there. Again, another warming herb um, and and then hibiscus. So the fun thing about these er- the excuse me the teas that I like to mention is the and this was all by divine alignment, the colors very much align with the seasons that they represent. Mm-hmm. And um, the um, the dark moon tea comes out a, a pinkish red color with there's hibiscus in it. So um, as we bleed, we connect with this tea that is supporting us and um, nourishing us in our, our dark moon phase, our winter time. So yes, there's an herb for that, but can we look holistically at all four phases and really supporting the body from, from that perspective? Wow. I love it. I need this. I want <laughs> this. I literally was like, okay, I'm sold. I need to get this. <laughs> oh, that is so amazing. Cheers. Oh Thank my gosh. So I actually have like a cramp bark tincture that I take and I didn't, re- oh. I didn't even really so thank you for explaining that because I didn't even really know that's what it was doing. I mean, I know it worked. It makes me feel better, but I didn't but understand that. Sometimes that's all that that's all that matters. Yeah. It works. We work with the plants and give it give it gratitude and thanks. But that's a little yeah insight onto that magical yeah, right. plant. Yeah. No, this was great because I have a tendency. I'm a Gemini moon. And so I'm like, I can figure that out. I can research that. And then I'll come up with a program for myself. And as you were explaining this, I was like, Ashley, just, just, just buy the, the kit, <laughs> you know? So 
I just thought that's, yeah, yeah she's got it figured it. out. What I don't need to go yeah. through this whole thing and figure it out. No need Hello. to reinvent the wheel. No there you go. <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, um, and I guess what I'd love to do is end on talking about your new Oracle deck and journal. Um, and so if you could share sort of the inspiration behind that, and then also how folks can work with your deck and journal and why it's oh so sacred. Yay, thank you. Yeah, Sacred Cycles Oracle Deck and the Sacred Cycles Journal. The Oracle Deck launched, uh, I think it was back in February, and now the journal will be launching in the middle of this month um, in June. And uh, these were such fun projects to work on. Um, it is a very collaborative project. I'm co author to the Oracle deck with Jill, who I used to work for at Goddess Provisions. Um, so she knew what mm -hmm. I was up to with Garden of the Moon while working uh, with Goddess Provisions and pitched this idea out. Um, and obviously I was very excited about it. So getting to write this with her was so much fun. And Jesse, who is the artist who created the unbelievable artwork um, is, is such an incredible talent as well. Um, so the Oracle deck um, is a deep exploration into the archetypes that connect with the seasons, with our body, with um, all of these cycles that surround us in so many of our different experiences. And so to me, this, the, it was so important to, uh, again come back to that like body literacy sovereignty and reclamation um energy around this project and so uh the cards are all very much representative of these there's a whole section on anatomy um so i don't know about you all but there were a number of years where i truly did not know my own anatomy at all and so uh, working with these cards yeah yeah hands up yep yep <laughs> Yeah. Um, I still don't. So, it, it, well, and like, this is the thing, again, we come back to this education piece and um, that we were hoping that through the, the Oracle deck, it gives folks an opportunity to gently relearn or, or learn for the first time. And um, I also really encourage um, anyone who has young females in their life as well to, to, to gift this as an opportunity for them to, as we've been saying, learn this from an early age, how potent and powerful our cycles, but also our body is. Um, and so the Oracle deck and then the, the journal is this companion workbook, really. And obviously, I cannot say enough about cycle tracking, right? And so that is what the journal is really focused on. There are um, a a number of cycle tracking charts and pages in there for um, to begin that cycle tracking process. And then along with a lot of information about what we've really talked about today when it comes to what are the energetics of each of these phases? How can we best support our body through self-care during each of these phases? Um, there are also oracle spreads in, uh, in the journal as well. And uh, new and full moon dates for uh, the next few years. Um, there's there's so much in there. So it's so exciting to have these two together because the Oracle deck on its own is, is super potent and powerful as um, 
especially as a tool during our dark moon, our bleed time. Like I mentioned, that's a really beautiful time of, of connecting with the um, beyond the veil. And so, but with the journal, it's this really cohesive and um, sort of just beautiful partnership between the two that I hope can help folks in this process and come from a place of joy and curiosity and sometimes it can be kind of boring to like plug things into an app on our phone and there's very little just like inspiration and um yeah I I, so there's this piece of just bring some some playfulness some sacredness to it all um and yeah so that launches the journal launches and just well oh gosh it's now a week from when we're recording um and folks can can find it on all the the major outlet uh, online um, retailers. It's also on my website, um, and I'll be launching um, some bundles basically with a few different pro- uh, products. You know, including the the Oracle Deck, the Journal, the Cycle Support Kit, and um, I'm going to be launching a uh, group subscription group membership program so that folks can work um, with me throughout a year with the cycle support kit and with the wheel of the year the wisdom of mama gaia and um, really reclaiming our cycles in this whole new way so i hope that these tools support people Mm -hmm. and um brings like a new level of again that word literally like body literacy and that sovereignty back to us as well so beautiful. beautiful. Seriously. Yeah. And I just, I feel like it, it's, it, it helps us reconnect with our feminine. And I just think mm-hmm. that is such a state that we're in right now is really owning that and not resisting it. So mm-hmm. bravo to you. Beautiful work. This episode was so informational and, and, and just, I don't even know what the other, I can't speak today guys, but no, it's, it, it wasn't informational in a way that was so logical. Like it just flowed so well. So, yeah. Before you go, I do want to ask you one thing you, you said earlier, you even did like a hand motion of like, I was out here and then I came back to here. So I'm just wondering, what do you think? Do you think you were connected and then you went away? Do you think you never were connected? And then coming back, it was so foreign. That's why it was scary. Like, what do you think? Yeah, I have uh, thoughts around this, I suppose, or intuition. Um, There were some experiences in my childhood that definitely like encouraged me to not be here or not believe that this was a safe space. And uh, I think it happened early enough that it wasn't something that had fully landed in my body. This idea of like being able to be in the body um, hadn't fully landed. And so coming back to it, you know, later in my 20s, um, two and a half decades later, it was so, you know, I'd been so far out and for so long that it was, it was just so foreign. It was not, um, not something I had even conceived of as a possibility or truly even known that, that something was quote unquote wrong and maybe not wrong, but like, um, that there was an alternate possibility, I guess. Um, and so once it happened, it was this realization of, Oh, okay, this is very foreign, but I think I like this version better than that version. (laughs) So, so let's keep exploring Mm -hmm. what, what that could look like, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, that's beautiful. Cause I think I could, I can relate to that of just like maybe living more in your mind than in your body and like go and do, and you know, obviously that's very masculine. So, um, yeah, that was interesting to hear. Yeah. I can relate deeply. (laughs) So tell everybody how they can find you and follow you. Um, her content is so good. Her deck is so beautiful. Like, please go follow support. We love what you're doing. So tell everyone, please. Oh, thank you so, so much. I'm so glad we got to have this time together. Um, yeah, I'm pretty active on Instagram and that's garden of the moon. And my website is garden of the moon.co not.com. I like to emphasize this.co. Mm-hmm. Um, and on my website, I do have a free download for folks who are curious about this whole cycle tracking that I won't shut up about. There's a journal that can be downloaded um, when you hop over to uh, my website and, and join, um, join the newsletter. So that'll be sent to you automatically when you, when you get there. So definitely encourage folks to check that out as well. And um, yeah, there's actually a sacred cycles Oracle um, Instagram too. Um, And so that has, you know, a preview of a lot of the the cards and um, some other beautiful archetypal wisdom. So check that out um, as well. And like I said, the, the Oracle deck and the journal can be found most of the places you find books and whatnot, but you can also find it on my website. Thank you so much. This was so great. We would love to have you back on again and dive even more into all the things. So I know I want to dive into so plants and, and the herbs. Yes, herbalism. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah. Yeah. But thank yeah. you. This conversation was so beautiful and your energy is just infectious. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. so anyway... Yeah. Wait, what's your sun, moon, rising before you go? (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Cancer sun and then double Scorpio. Oh, I love that. Well, and how amazing that you get to help transform and empower people to connect with something that's so taboo, right? And so kind of hidden um, and not talked about. But, oh, I love it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I love it. I know. Oh, thank you so much for coming. We just adore you and we are so appreciative of your time. So thank you so much. All right, you guys. Thank you both so, so much. So had a great time.